Hi, this is Eddie Markham, pastor of River of Life Church, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for taking the time and listening to our podcast. Hopefully you're going to be inspired and impacted by our message today. I also want to let you know what's going on here at River of Life. God has just been blessing us, and we have outgrown our facility, and the time has come for us to get into a new building. We need to get into a bigger building. So we have kicked off a building campaign this year, and we are moving forward, and God is blessing it. So we are reaching out to you, our podcast listening audience, and just want to encourage you that if you would like to participate and make a donation into our building fund, please head over to our website. It's www.rol-ag.com. And right on the homepage there is a little donate button. Click on that, follow the instructions, and just sow your seeds, sow into this ministry, and help us make this happen. I want to say thank you in advance, and I pray God continue to bless you and impact your life as you listen to the ministry at River of Life. Pastors, among a few other offices, are gifts to the church. Gifts to the church. And that's kind of what we're doing, what we're doing today. Showing some appreciation for the gift for the gift that we have received. I love this guy. He's my big brother. Being in ministry together for a long time and many different ministries, we've, we've been around ministering in soup kitchens and doing everything we know to do. I mean, man, we were like the Wesley brothers going in there with 13 people, but man, we were preaching crusades in there and had big outlines and King James Bible no one couldn't understand. It was fun. Uh, people correcting you while you're teaching. Oh, my gosh, Awesome. Up there leading worship, and a guy comes walking up and gets his own piano and starts playing. Okay, <laughs> roll with it. That's kind of the stuff we've been in. But I got some really good stories on this guy. Growing up in the house, I was the youngest, favored of the Lord. I came, like he says, and messed up his life. He was the young and favored for a long time, eight years. And then the Lord said, ah, the Markham family's not quite complete. I still got a little work to do, and here I came. Here I came, and uh, we had some fun growing up, tormenting each other, tormenting me more than I tormented him, but I got, how many want to hear a really good Pastor Eddie story? All right, I'll go ahead and share it for you. This story takes place not when we were children, but when we were here in ministry together about 45 years ago, four or five years ago, right after Pastor Eddie was elected as our lead pastor. At that time, the Assemblies of God still does, but there was a retreat in Traverse City in January for pastors to go to. How many know that January and Traverse City make for a really just messy time? So here we are. We left after Sunday morning service in our new church van. We just got that week. We're going to take it up there on its maiden voyage into a big, giant snow blizzard. And I'll never forget, we turned the corner on 96, heading up, trying to get to 23, wherever we were going. And it was a monstrous snowstorm. You couldn't see a few feet in front of you. There were no lanes. Traffic was very heavy, but going very slow. And we were trying to make our way through there. We had a little fender bender getting through there. Thankfully, everybody was okay. And so we got the GPS going. And by that, you know, we finally get up to northern Michigan somewhere. Still to this day, have no idea where we were. But I remember it was pitch black, dark of night, and we're just driving. And there's nothing but snow and pine trees. I don't know if we're in somebody's backyard in their back property, or for actually on a road, or for heading to the lake. I have no idea, because you can only see a few feet in front of you, and the GPS is all lost, and we're all frustrated and tired, and we were in our dress clothes, you know, we were just left leaving from Sunday, I had a tie on still, and our coat, we were ready to go to this pastor's conference, and we look through the horizon of the snowstorm, and we see a little flicker of a light down the road, and we, yeah, we're saved, 
So we follow this little flicker of light, and we realize that it's a little building, and what it's a bar. <laughs> Pastors know what bars are. It's okay to laugh. It was a bar. It was a tavern. So we pull up, and there's no cars in the parking lot, but the lights are on. So my brother's driving, and my, my wife and my sister-in-law, it's just us four in, 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 in this vehicle, and we're sitting there. And I look at him, he looks at me, and he goes, why don't you go in there? Now, do I look the kind, like the kind of guy who, you know, has spent time in there? I'm like, dude, come on. You're the one with the experience and the exposure. And, and it's like, you know, you can walk in there. And so I finally, I'll go. I'll yield and I'll submit to my newly appointed lead pastor because my mom wasn't there for me to tattle to. So I, I'll never forget. I walk in there. I'm walking down the, the, up the ramp, and, and, and the snow is covered. And I open the door, and it was, let me just set the stage for you. When you walk in, it instantly smelt like 1978. I mean, it just did. You walk, I'm expecting to see Burt Reynolds over in the corner somewhere. I walk in, the place is full of people. And I had no idea how they got there, if they rode a horse, if they just lived there, because there was no cars, but this place was full of people. They got their cart hearts on, their flannel, you know, and, and, and the, the cowboy hats. And as soon as I walk in, here I come, dressed in dress shoes and dress pants and a dress coat. And I walk in, and I swear, every person in that place, all their heads turned to me. The music on the jukebox stopped. Just, I mean, I swear it did. I know it did. And I hear commotion people, and I literally hear, kid you not, hear somebody say, what's he doing here? And I didn't know how to play it off cool. I thought I did. But you know the first words out of my mouth were? We're here for a pastor's conference and we don't know where the church is. <laughs> Do you know how, it, how, okay, I first of all didn't look the part. And I walk into a bar and here they are hiding their beer, turning off the Budweiser sign. They're trying to act like everything's cool. I mean, I'm like, I'm going to get shot or killed and, and I'm just getting scared. So I walk into this place, and finally the, the bartender comes out. It's a female. She's all nice and bubbly and talking to me, and I, I explained to her the situation. By that time, I just want to get out of here because I feel so uncomfortable. Everyone's still staring at me. The music finally started back again. Um, I think it was, uh, I don't know who it was. And, <laughs> and it was going again, so she comes out. I tell her where I'm going, and she says, okay, go this way. Go. And she starts saying all these directions, and I, I guess my eyes were glazing over. I didn't have a clue where I was at. I didn't even know if I was still in, in Michigan. I could have been in Canada for all I knew. And I think she saw that. And she goes, well, I'll tell you what. Here, let me do this. And so she picks up a, a bar napkin, puts her name and phone number on the napkin, says, here, you can call me if you get lost. Picture this. I put it in my shirt pocket, and I walk out. And I think, if I drop dead right now, <laughs> think about this. My funeral. Yeah, we found him 10 feet out of the entrance to a bar in northern Michigan with the barmaid's name and number tucked in his shirt pocket. I was just thinking the Lord my wife was in the van and saw this whole thing happen. You know what I found out later that after the whole thing happened while I was in that place suffering for the Lord? My brother said something to my wife, something along the effects of, maybe I shouldn't have sent him in there. <laughs> because I was in there for a really long time. And all these movies started coming to my mind, and I, I can leave it right there. But needless to say, we finally got up there, and uh, it was an experience I'll never forget. But that's what we're talking about our pastors, and we're talking about gifts. So, again, I'm not, like, preaching a message. I'm just sharing some stories, and I do have a little word that I'm going to share in my heart, but it's very short, very brief. Just to, I, I, wanna, I want you to look at me this morning as kind of like a farmer. I want to put some things into the soil of this church. Can I do that? So I'm not necessarily looking for a harvest. I'm not necessarily planting seeds. I just want to treat the soil. You know, farmers will do that. They'll fertilize the soil. They'll rotate crops because certain crops take certain nutrients, and they'll keep that soil healthy. Church, can I tell you, we've got to keep the soil of our church healthy. Okay, and part of that is doing what we're doing today. I want to sow some spiritual health into the soil. So we're talking about pastors being a gift. 
And um, I, there's two pet peeves that I have. How many have pet peeves? We all do. There's two pet peeves that I have when it comes to gifts. Number one is people not using them correctly. I'll tell a story. Uh, when, I was a, when I was a kid, I went over to my friend's house, and they had, uh, they had just got a new caller ID. Remember when the caller IDs were these great big things that hooked to the home phone? The home phone was this big block thing that went to the kitchen wall, and it had numbers on it. And, you know, some of my kids nowadays are, where's the screen? My kids would do that. We purposely got one for a couple of years just to teach them how to have a home phone. Anyway, so we walk in, and the caller ID was this great big device. I mean, it was bigger than the phone, and it would plug into your phone. And this guy, oh, this thing won't work. This stupid thing I paid all this money for, it won't work. And I swear he had 80 feet of phone wire and a big ball right next to the phone that this thing was supposed to be hooked up to. So I felt bad for him. And, and I have a pet peeve, right? Someone's not using something correctly. So I took some time to un, just unwind that 80-something feet of phone wire. It was a knot. It was tangled up. Come to find out, it, one end was plugged into this side, and the other end was plugged into this side. It was plugged into itself. It wasn't even plugged into the phone. So I had to plug it into the phone, and you know how you had to do all that. But that's one of my pet peeves is people not using things correctly. Growing up, especially when our kids were little, how many times parents used to spend all that money and all that time shopping for those really cool gifts and they open them up, and they, they end the moment, you know, they're excited about it, and they move on to the next one, move on to the next one, and then what happens at the end of the time? you got all the toy, toys over here, and the kids are over in the corner playing with the what? Exactly. And you spend all that money, and they got these bright, shiny boxes, and us having three boys and a daughter, but our three boys, anything that was long and slender instantly became a weapon. It's just how it became a knife. They'd tape them together and make a lightsaber or whatever, but that's what these kids would do. And we'd always say, why did I even bother? So next time I'm going to go to the UPS store, buy some boxes, here you go, have a good time. That's kind of how it is. But I can't help but mention kids' toys. Aren't they awesome? You ever try to take one of them things apart? There could be a nuclear holocaust. But Freddie the firefighter is going to be so secure with his 49 zip ties in his cute little box. I mean, have you ever tried to take those things apart? I still got cuts on my fingers, and my kids are old now. My other pet peeve is people who are not using their device or item to the fullest extent. Okay, there's two types of people in the world. There's the type of people that just don't care. They get it, turn it on, and play games. The other type of people get the manual out, they research what it does, they may even shop before they buy it. How many people are the, I'm researching, I got the manual out, I'm trying to figure out, okay, all right, God bless you, you got my people in the house. The other people, how many of the other kind of people, by and large? I'm kind of both, and it's some kind of weird, I'm a very strange individual, I got both sides going, but when it comes to this, my wife and I are on opposite sides all the time, where she's just happy to get this device, and, and whatever it is, and, and it, it can do 49 things, but if it just does the two she wants, she's happy. And inside, I'm screaming, don't you know it can do this, and it can do that? Did you read your manual? It's in the garbage can. Finally, she says, you know what? You take it, you figure it out, and then you tell me everything you need to know. But that, that's, I can't help that. I want to see someone use something to the fullest. I want to see something, you know, if I'm paying for it, I want to, it can do every, if this thing can give my dog a bath, I want it, it can do it because I paid that much money for it, I want it to happen. So that's the concept of our pastor. He's not a device, and he's not a box, but he is a gift. He's a gift, and he's a very valuable gift. One that uh, the pastors, not, not just Pastor Eddie here, but to the, to the worldwide, pastors in general. Pastors are gifts, the Bible says, I already said that. But pastors a lot of times don't get, I don't want to say used correctly, but they don't. They get mishandled. A lot of times pastors don't get to use their full potential. 
And we're going to talk about those points this morning. But I, I begin to think about that. What are some things around our house that we're not maximizing? Because I'm kind of an efficiency guy. That's my whole thing. I mean, I, I'll route my, if I'm going to four stores, I'll route them out in certain ways. I do not make left-hand turns. I'm not NASCAR. We go, we, everything we go up, we go down, we do everything in the right direction. Not my wife. If choop, 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 she'll crisscross, zigzag up and down, in and out. It doesn't matter. I see it first. Let's go. I'm not that way. I'm efficient. So I begin to think, okay, what are some things around the house that could be better? So I, I found this website called Survivor Collapse. That's a guy's website. Survivor Collapse. So I'm in the water. He'll either drown or he'll learn to swim. That's kind of how we do it. We kind of joke about our shows. One of the shows I like to watch is a show about working in the fire, you know, making metal knives, forging fire. I love that show. It's like a guy's show. Yeah, it's awesome. And there's some women on there too. I'm not that way. Women can make knives. They can but we watch that show all the time. And we also watch the holiday baking challenges that come. And at the judging, the judgings are completely different. In the, in the, in the baking competition, they're, they're saying, oh, you know, this was a good try, but it's a little dry. Maybe next time do this. And there's a whole explanation on Forge and Fire. It's due to the catastrophic failure of your blade, please leave the forge. <laughs> and they pick up their bag and they walk out the room. I kind of like that. That's awesome. But kind of thinking, getting back to the thought of Survivor Collapse, this website has some good information. Take the topic of an aspirin. We all heard of aspirins. Maybe some of you take them on a daily, uh, daily regimen. But did you know aspirin can do more than just you know, thin your blood and prevent a heart attack? Listen to this. Aspirin is great plant food. You can mix one tablet with a half a gallon of water and put it in your, in your plants. Aspirin kills dandruff. Crush a few pills and put it in your shampoo. Kills dandruff. Um, it, remo it removes sweat stains out of your clothing. Seriously. Crush a few tablets into three ounces. I researched this. Crush tablets into three ounces of warm water. Soak your clothes for a few minutes before you wash them, and the stains will come out. It treats acne. You put a little rub on there, you know, aspirin. Uh, it removes heel calluses. It brings a, a dead car battery back to life. Drop it in the, in the, into the chamber. I've never tried it, but that's what I heard. We all know it uh, relates to heart attacks and things like that. Here's a good one. It restores natural hair color. If you swim a lot, if you diet a lot, never my hair dye days. If y'all know me, you know that there was no days of hair dye. But it restores your natural hair color. Uh, crush 8 to 10 pills into a glass of water and then drink it. No, Crush 8 to 10 pills in a glass of water, rinse your hair for 10 minutes, and it will, it will help restore your hair color. I'm going to try it and see if it restores hair, but <laughs> just the color. It also helps if taken at the right time, which I know will not, no one in this room will ever need this tip. But it also helps with the symptoms of a hangover. If you take it before, it, it, it prohibits the um, prostaglandins, if I said that right, from attacking your body. However, that where I have no idea. That's what, the, that's what the website said. But there's all kinds of things. So I begin to think about these things about pastors. So let's go to, this is what has to do with the Word of God. Let's go to Exodus chapter 17. And I told you, what I have to share, it's not a message. I just, I want to just kind of sow some things into the atmosphere and kind of help us be uh, we want our pastor to be the best he can be, right? In order for that to happen, we need to be the best congregation we can be. Amen? So if you hang with me just for a few moments, I'm going to share this word, and we're going to pray over him and, and get on about our day. But pastors are a gift to the church for a reason. Jeremiah tells us that God watches over his flock, and he cares about his flock to the degree that the Bible says that he has put shepherds over my people who have a heart after me. The Bible says this in Jeremiah. He said, I will give you a shepherd that has my own heart. Shepherd, that's what our pastor, that's what our pastor is. A lot of people look at a pastor and think he's a celebrity or she's so-and-so, and there's some 
ministers that operate that way. It's unfortunate. Um, we're no better than any, we're no better than anyone else. If I could say it like that, we have temptations and we have things. But there is a true calling and there is a true office that a pastor walks in. So this morning, I want I want us to look at some things. A word I want to highlight this morning before we get into our text is honor. Honor. Honor is a very unique thing. Honor in life and honor in the kingdom of God works like this. If you do not sow honor, you will not receive honor. Seriously, if you find yourself in a frustrated state of life and, and you feel like, oh, no one respects me around here, no one does Okay, are you showing respect and are you showing honor? Remember that little, that little uh, army soldier on Toy Story? You lack all honor, dirtbag. And they put him back in the... I love that little guy. I love, how many know what I'm talking about? That little army guy. Okay, some of y'all. That's kind of how honor is. And honor just works that way. If we're not willing to sow honor, we're not going to reap any honor. And it's going to be a very frustrating time in our life. So let's go to this passage in Exodus. You know, one of my duties as the assistant pastor, and I always try to get out of it and bring someone in, but it never works out. But I end up having to share a pastor appreciation, not that I don't like doing it. I just think someone could do it better than me. But I've preached this message before, I'm sure, but the Lord gave me something fresh on it. Let's go to 17, Exodus 17. Verse 8, and we're going to look at the first pastor, Pastor Moses. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he had let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. That's, very, that's the key of the whole scripture, guys. When Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, oh, let me stop right there. And Joshua defeated Amalek with the people at the edge of the sword. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word before us. Father God, as we dive into it, let it, let it challenge our hearts. Let it encourage our hearts. Help us, Father God, to gain the insight of what your spirit is saying. In Jesus' name, amen. As we celebrate Pastor Appreciation Day, I want to bring out a couple of points of this passage that I think are going to help us be a better congregation for our pastor and help us relate to our pastor. Um, ministry, what you see here, like much like the video, uh, what you see here is just a very tip of the iceberg of what happens through in church life, really. Uh, there's pastors who are very great orators and just great men of God and can preach. Uh, I have a couple that I like to watch. I was watching one of them last night. Uh, uh, David Jeremiah is one I love. I know he's kind of in, like, in the moment, but then that guy hurls some word, man. All of his messages, I think, are so awesome. And you have, you know, you have the... That part of the message that everybody looks at. Is he a good entertainer? Is he a good preacher? And then you have the other side of ministry that never really gets looked at until it goes bad. Like much like a doctor's bedside manner. So much a pastor has to have that. Connect with you. Know your name. Know your family's name. Know what you're going through. And then be there and walk with you. And that's what the other side of ministry that happens from Monday to Saturday. So this is a very little portion of what pastors do. So as we look into this passage here, I want to bring out a couple of points to help us all kind of have a better relationship. The first one is I want us to understand the position of a pastor. When Amalek, the enemy, came to attack the Israelites, who was the first person to respond? Moses. 
Moses was a spiritual first responder. And so are pastors and ministers. They are our spiritual first responders. These guys are the heroes. When 9-11 happened, what was the, the famous saying? That, that when, when, when others ran out, they ran in. Talking about the firefighters. And they, they were, the, the crowd was coming down the stairs, but they were running up the stairs with their axes and their hoses. They were there to save the day. Much like a pastor uh, is there to save the day. We see this, I preached a few months ago in Nehemiah, in Nehemiah's quest to rebuild the wall. Who were the group of people that stood up first? It was the ministers. It was the, the, the priests that said, we're going to rise up first. Pastors always have the position of being first. Now, this is not to be viewed as being served first at the church potluck. You'll get it when you get home. It is to be at the head of what's going on because that's your job. When you're a pastor, when you're a leader, everything is your fault. Carl, in the video, if, if Carl got out in the church, it would be pastor's fault. It goes on and on and on. If the, the, the church doesn't look a certain way, it's the pastor's fault. If the, this isn't a certain way, it's, that's just the way, that's what I mean by he's being up first. But I love the heart of Moses, and every good leader should have the heart to jump in there first. When Moses saw the enemy coming, do you think he wanted to, to, to go to battle? No, no one really wants to, but he knew he had to rise up, and he saw it coming. Much like a pastor will stand guard over this sacred desk and over these doors that people that come in and go out. We guard what happens here. We talk, and we look, and we pray, and we discern. God speaks to us in dreams. We've had people come in here that God showed us in the dreams beforehand they were coming. And, and, and God, there's a lot of stuff that happens that, that just doesn't come out because leaders don't do that. Leaders don't have the privilege of going to Facebook and venting. My church is stupid. <laughs> Could you imagine Pastor Eddie putting that on there? I just left a counseling session and man, no wonder this is fun. You, know? you can do that, but pastors can't run to social media and vent. Pastors have to hold it in and keep it in. This is the position of a pastor. The Lord just set it up that way. Now, we understand this in the book of Revelation when, 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 Jesus, when John was getting the revelation of the, our Lord. How did he address every letter to the churches? He said, to the messenger or to the angel of that church, to the pastor of that church. It's an awesome responsibility to be out there first. It's an awesome responsibility. It's not, it's not something to be celebrated. It's not something to be longed for. It is a very awesome responsibility to be ahead of a flock. It really is. I'm reminded of that every time I come across a situation that makes me uncomfortable, I got a phone number to call. Just had one a few weekends ago. Uh, you want to know what was going on. And they called me, and we were dealing with it. And, uh, you know, that kind of stuff happens. It's always good to have someone to call. That's because we work together, and that's important to have a team. And my goal this morning is that we all work together as a big, giant team. So the position of a pastor, he's the first responder. Another aspect of a position is this. Where did he go? He went up to the mountain. Up to the mountain. A good leader is not afraid to climb the mountains. Excuse me, I got a little cold going on and my nose is stuffed, so I'm talking like this. So a good leader is not afraid to climb the mountain. Moses was never afraid to climb the mountain of God. In Psalm 24, 3, he says this, Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. Church, can I tell you that I'm very happy today that our leader strives for clean hands and a pure heart so he can climb the mountain of God to hear from us. Moses had three significant mountaintop experiences. His calling at the burning bush was atop of a mountain in the wilderness. He had the Mount Sinai that he went and received the Ten Commandments and other times when the Lord held him in the cliff of the rock and, 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 all, and all these things. And lastly, Moses climbed one last mountain before his death, the Mount Nebo. He climbed the mountain and the Lord said, you'll not enter the promised land, but you'll see it. That was on a mountain. 
Ministers often start with a mountaintop experience. They see a burning bush, they get called, they want to go start a church tomorrow. And then sometimes they do, and then through your ministry, you'll have those times when you're on Mount Sinai and the glory is there. But you'll also have those times when the Lord says, enough is enough, your assignment has changed, this day is over. So we, that's why it's important for our leaders to be on the mountaintop. Every good leader needs to be familiar with climbing mountains. Moses was very familiar with climbing mountains. I wish I had time to bring this out because that could preach all in and of itself. When the Israelites were camped around the mountain of God, they were afraid to go up because of the thundering and the lightning and the smoke. But thank God there arose a man named Moses who said, I've already been to a mountaintop. I already know what it takes to go there. And he was willing to sacrifice and walk up that mountaintop and receive the greatest revelation besides John's revelation. He literally saw the hind parts of God, our creator. He was able to write the books of Moses, they call it. He received the anointing to lead the Israelites. All Why? All because he climbed the mountain of God. Thank God for our leaders who are willing to climb the mountain of God. Another thing was that, let me just ask you a very, very simple question. If you're hiding from your enemy and they're attacking you, is going to the mountaintop the best choice of places to hide? How many were really good hide, hiders in hide and seek? I was so good, they still ain't found me. They're, they're looking for me right now because I, I was little and I was quick. And I could configure my body. I mean, I was like just this shy of a carnival performer. I mean, I could like put myself in all kind of stuff. And I was really good at hiding. This is not what you do. But Moses said, I walk up to the mountaintop. Yes, I know I risk getting hit. This is why. When you enter into ministry, you might get a credential card. You might get an assignment, depending on what's going on. That may come later, whatever. But you always get this, a big fat bullseye right here. And a bigger bullseye right here. It's, I wish it wasn't that way, but it's just that way. Because defeating the pastor is the number one objective of the enemy. Jesus said it himself. He quoted from the Old Testament when he said this in Matthew 26, 31. He said, smite the shepherd and the flock will scatter. Oftentimes when you're surrounded, I was always told this by a neighbor down the street. Because um, I was little and, and I, was, I was little. I was energetic and scrappy, but I didn't have any. You know, I had big friends that would always take up for me. But I'll never forget this one sister down the block who kind of took me in. They were like my aunt and uncle. And they would see, would see call me Stevie. All the, other, all the old folks would call me Stevie. Thank you for not calling me Stevie. But she would call me that, and she would say, listen, let me tell you something, son. Yeah, you, you never had a boy, so you're kind of our boy. And she would say this. She said, if you ever find yourself getting surrounded by a group of boys or girls, and they start picking on you and, and trying to threaten you, she said, look for the one who's talking the most and punch him square in the mouth. She said, because if you can knock out the one who's talking junk, everybody else is going to run. And you know, a lot of times that's true. We just had a deacon meeting last month. <laughs> but I've always remembered that. I've always remembered that because in the spiritual warfare, that is true. In spiritual warfare, that is true. But thank God for a man of God who would walk up to the mountain and risk his own reputation, would risk his own safety, would risk his own health to be that first responder by going to the top of the mountain and saying, yeah, I know, here I am, but I'm here on behalf of God. And that brings me to the next point, is why in the world would somebody do that? Why in the world? Like my dad always said, if you're not called to this, do not sign up for it. It'll wreck your life. And he's true. He's right. We all know the statistics of ministers and ministries that, that fail and that leave and that quit, and that's not always due to a moral failure. In fact, more often than not, it's just burnout. It's just getting tired for whatever different reasons. But why in the world would somebody do that? I'll tell you why. Because the pastor has a pull of God on his life. The pulling 
of a pastor. This is important for us to notice, church, the pulling of a, of a pastor. The calling in the word of God is often referred to as a mantle, as a coat that you can never take off. You guys need to understand this. It is worn and felt by a pastor all day, every day. You never stop being a pastor. It's a pulling that God has put in your heart. You see this in Jesus when he prayed in the garden, Luke twenty two forty four. He prayed in the garden and he said, Lord, you all know the story. Hopefully you know the story. He said, Lord, I don't want to do this. Take this cup from me. I don't want to be betrayed. I don't want to be crucified. I don't want to do all this. But he said, what? Nevertheless, if it be your will, I'll do it. The Bible says he prayed that three times where his sweat became great drops of blood. And we know that was a great manifestation. What was happening? I'll tell you what was happening. The pulling of the calling was happening on Jesus' life. The Bible says that, yes, Jesus was God, but he was fully man. He knew what he was about to experience. He knew the pain, the agony, the suffering, and the, the one thing he's never experienced before in his life, total separation from God. Total separation from God when he went down to the pit of hell. But the pulling of, of the calling on his life, he said, nevertheless, I will. How many are glad he obeyed that pulling? Much so is the, is the mantle of authority we see here today. Pastor can't go on vacation and just forget about everything. First of all, it's hard for them to take a vacation because they got to look ahead. Pastors look at their calendar way different than everybody else. They look at their calendar when they're planning their years and they're planning their vacations. Oftentimes, your eyes go first to the, to the events that are already going on or already planning. Well, I can't do this because it's going to interfere with that. I can't. So you got to be real picky and choosy where a lot of people have not even crossed their mind. Other times you say, oh, I'd love to go out and do this, but I need to get a replacement. Oh, man. You know how hard that can be? Now, we're really blessed here with some great men and women of God. But the average pastor doesn't have that kind of support. And you have to think, oh, man, I got to get a replacement. And I got to get one. And then while you're gone, all you can think about, oh, oh, my goodness, what are they doing? What are they saying? What are they saying? What are they doing? Oh, Lord, I hope so-and-so don't show up. Oh, Lord, I hope so-and-so doesn't really show up. We all love you, but come on. You know, we all got those people in our chair. I'm looking right up here because it's none of you guys. But there's some folk that, Lord bless them. Let them come next week when I'm back. I mean, that's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. I remember hearing conversations of my dad talking with his pastor friends growing up. Pastors leaving on vacation, coming back. The church split. They were voted out. Uh, all kind of crazy stuff happens. That, that, that can weigh on a pastor's mind. But the pulling of a pastor keeps him doing it. Amen. Let me move on. The next one is a person of a pastor. I love this in a verse when he said that Moses' hands became heavy. They were weary of being held up. The marathon of ministry can take its toll on you. It can take its toll on you, and it does take its toll on you. And I'm just saying these things to remind us. I love this verse right here where it says Aaron. Let's see, what is that? That's verse 10. It says that Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill with him. A couple of verses later, the Bible says that his hands became heavy. Listen to this. You know what I love is not in there? This is what I love is not in there. I love in this scripture that it says, and Moses' hands became heavy, and Aaron and Hur came and supported him. I love what's not in there is that Moses had to say, hey, guys, I'm getting tired. Come help me out. Can I just talk to you for a moment like this? We need to be totally aware of the person of our pastor. Yes, the calling of God is on their life, and yes, God supernaturally endorses them, but they're living in a physical temple. And our pastors, being my older brother, I can always say, you're an old man compared to me. And as I get older, he's already been older. And the, we always look at each other saying, it's catching up, it's catching up, it's catching up. 
That's the reality of the matter, guys, is it catches up to our pastors. We need to remember that they're weary. I, you see this in special forces. How many like special forces? And I got some military here. Come on, give me some love. I love that stuff. And, and you watch these guys when they go in and they go clear a room. These guys work purposely to travel without being noticed and heard. And you'll be five or six of them together in, in, a, in a group, and they're going in to overtake this building. And what do they do? They come in, and they've learned to communicate without using verbal cues. They use hand signals and facial expressions and things. And... The best of the best, in fact, are so close-knit that they walk touching one another, and they know when someone leaves and when someone moves, and they look at the leader to see what he's saying so they can know what to do before even being told to do it because they see what the leader's seeing. Church, can I tell you, can we be like these two gentlemen who came alongside of our pastor that weren't over here doing our own thing and trying to start our own ministry, but aware of our pastor's fatigue and aware of our pastors that it catches up to them to be there to help and support them. Someone is truly not behind you if you have to keep saying, are you with me? Are you with me? Are you behind me? No, when they're next to me, I can feel their presence. I can feel them right here. I know they're there. I feel safe. I feel comforted. And so shall we do for our pastor. Amen. I'm getting ready to hurry. I love this, that they came and supported his hands. Everybody say his hands. So many times the church world, especially with the growth of social media, we can see, you know, all these other ministries are doing this and all these other pastors are doing that. Why don't we do that? Here. Why don't we do this here? That's caused a great amount of stress for our local churches, pastors who maybe can't compete or keep up with some of the other churches. But let me tell you this. A lot of times when our pastor is fatigued, you know, he might be off on his game a little bit. He might be off on his game a little bit from week to week. But I love how the Bible says they came and supported Moses' hands. Church, can we seek and come and support the hands of our leaders? I love that they didn't take advantage of that opportunity to say, well, see, you're not hearing from God. You're not as good as so-and-so. This is what you ought to do. This is what I used to do. And whatever the case may be. But we need to understand to come alongside of them and support what God has put in their hearts. Amen? And the last one is this. The power of a healthy pastor. The power of a healthy pastor. And I wanted to put it like that because you might have a pastor, but he might not be healthy. Can I tell you... Serving alongside my dad, he was evangelistic for evangelizing for seven years. Lindsay and I traveled with him for almost two years of that time. And we traveled in so many different churches and got to experience so many different things. And I can tell you, all the churches we walked into that were growing, vibrant, in, in energy, if I can use that word, and just really on top of things, those churches always had something in common. They honored and, and cherished their pastor. They didn't worship him. It wasn't weird. But they honored and they respected the man of God. The churches we went to that were little and struggling and dying and pathetic and you don't even want to walk in there because you just feel creepy, something's not right, was the same place that had the pastor there opening the doors and shutting the doors and changing the toilet paper roll and changing the thermostat roll and, and orchestrating this and orchestrating that. Now, don't misunderstand me. A pastor should never be above any of that stuff. But could it be that we've exhausted our pastor to the point where he can't minister anymore because he's doing our job? Not here at River of Life. We're doing it. This is for the other church down the road. But this is in the kingdom of God in general. What, you know, you might not even attend this church, and you might be visiting from someone. Go back to your church and love your pastor. You can run a vacuum cleaner. Run it. That doesn't mean our pastor is above it. Our pastor vacuums all the time. He's got OCD. <laughs> That's okay. I, I do the same thing. I'm doing stuff all the time. Um, I, I no longer change toilet paper rolls because I broke it, and Don yelled at me, and so I'm, I no longer do that. So I make sure to go find one and put it there. But never be above that. But you, you understand what I'm trying to say, right? We can do some of this stuff. Let's do it. A healthy pastor 
equals a healthy church. And when a healthy pastor equals a healthy church, it equals a healthy ministry. For you, Remember getting back to that, using the gift incorrectly or not to the fullest? If we don't treat our gift, our pastors, the best we should, we're not going to maximize their ministry in our lives. We benefit. Those awesome messages he preaches and labors for, they don't benefit him. It's tired, especially doing two. Wow, it's tiring. But we benefit. How many benefit from the word of God from this church? People all over the country are listening to the podcast, all over the world and other countries are listening to the church. It comes with a price. And I'm buttoning up here. In Romans, we see many times in Romans, Paul says, in Romans 1.11, he says, um, I can't wait to come to be with you some, to, to impart some spiritual gift so that things can be established. Because that's the thought of the pastors. They always want to bless. They always want to help. But I love what he says after that. He says, well, to be honest, the next verse says, that you may refresh me that you may benefit, I can benefit from you. The fact of the matter is, our pastors get tired. They need to be refreshed. We're the ones to send refreshing. We don't have to come to them with every little tiny thing. You know what I'm saying? We, 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 that's part of what I do here. I try to intercept some of that stuff and take off of his shoulders. And, and, and we should all kind of be looking out for one another and building, building the body better. We see all, there's all kinds of scriptures. I don't have time to go through them because I'm out of time. But there's all kinds of scriptures in there that talk about people getting refreshed. Paul writes about it four or five different times in Timothy and Philemon and 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Because there's refreshment that comes from the body of Christ. Amen. So Pastor Eddie, Melinda, would you join me? Um, Lindsay, any of the deacon board that's here, other pastor leaders, um, join us up here. Um, we want to just pray over them and, 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 and honor them. And today it wasn't about Pastor Eddie worship. Let me read you the scripture while they're coming in 1 Timothy 5.17. He says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in word and doctrine. How many of you appreciate the ministry of these guys? How many think they deserve double honor? And I love the next verse says, for scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it tramples the grain. Like I said earlier, that's what we say. That's what we pay you for. Yeah, we pay them to do things, but... We do other things. One of my uncles used to say, you know, it's better to let people smell roses while they're alive than to wait at their funeral. I like that. You know, you know what goes a long way? Yeah, a Pentecostal handshake is awesome. You know what goes a long way? A thank you. This last slide. I mean, if you want to help your pastor, let's do these three things. Everything has, God has got to have an instruction in there somewhere. That's just me. Next slide. No one's back there. That's right. He's right here. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Billy. Come on, give Billy some love for running to the rescue. <laughs> and no one had to tell him to do it. That's right. If you want, let's do these things here. Let's acknowledge what our pastor does, sometimes just noticing. Come on, how many of you like to just, not that you're doing it for glory, but it, just to notice it. Acknowledge what they do. Appreciate what they, even if they don't do it like you want it to be done or how you think so-and-so should do it, appreciate that they're doing the best they can, Okay. And let's assist them. And we're going to put those lyrics into a song, and we're going to do it next Sunday, and we're going to ask them. Can church, can we acknowledge them? Can we appreciate them? And can we assist them? Go ahead. Give them some love. Oh, yeah. We got a little gift um, for you guys uh, to, to just express that. And, guys, I'm going to pray over them, and we're going to do a blessing over them. So would you stand to your feet? We're done. We've been done. We're going to stand to our feet. We're going to pray over them, and then I'm going to bless them. Now, this is something we don't really do a whole lot in the States, but all over in the Bible, you see that they would bless one another. It wasn't a prayer. They would pronounce blessing over them. 
And I'm going to do that this morning. And when I do, would you join with me and just bless them, whatever God comes to your heart, and speak it over their life, would you? So come on, let's just pray over these guys. Lord, we just thank you right now, Father God, for the minister of Pastor Eddie. Sister Melinda, God, we thank you for your ministry upon their life. We thank you for giving them to River of Life. God, you've done such incredible things in the last five years. Lord, you've, Lord they've been, we've been here since the beginning. But Lord, this last five years has been a whole other level and turning the corner. And there's more to come. We've got a building and program in front of us. We've got a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of battles yet to be fought. A lot of battles yet to be fought. But Father God, we just ask, Lord, right now, God, that you would sustain them. And here we go, church. Let's bless them. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bless you. May the Father of heaven keep you, guard you. May his face shine upon you. May he go before you. May he be your rear guard. May he cancel the negativity of, of, of sayings and accusations. May he silence the voices of discouragement in the midnight hour. May he silence the feelings of inferiority, insecurity, discouragement, and depression, and doubt be broken in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray and we speak a hedge of protection around them. We speak health to their bodies. We speak health to their emotions. We speak health to their finances. We speak health to their relationships. In Jesus' name. We thank you for them, Lord, and we know, God, that you're going to do great things through them as you continue to keep them men and women of God. And we thank you, Lord. We're blessed to have them here. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we show them some love just one more time? Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org River of Life Assembly of God A church of His presence, His promises, and all people.